as we say goodbye to this year and we welcome in with open arms and open hearts a new year with new hope, new possibilities, hopefully new solutions to the problems we faced. I think it's time to look at uh, the festival that we're celebrating, the season we're entering, and to realize how brilliantly it's structured. You know, one would think that we would do our tshuva in, uh, in Elul, so that by the time Tishrei came, we would be ready to start a new year having been forgiven and so on. But in fact, it doesn't work that way. We start with Rosh Hashanah. There's not a single word about Ashamnu Bagadnu. It's purely the festival of coronation. And as my uh, dear friend Rabbi Nathan Laufer says, in fact, the Truah of Rosh Hashanah is actually a reenactment of the Truah at the giving of the Torah. At Matan Torah, at Sinai, the original trumpet blast took place. And that, for all times, sets the tone for what a trumpet blast really ought to be is a reaffirmation of, uh, of our connection with Hashem and our subservience to, to Him. Uh, with all of that said, and by the way, it's also a very singular day. There's no we. It's all about me. Then we go through the 10 days of Tshuva, and we come to Yom Kippur, and that is the festival of atonement, or as I prefer to call it, at one mint. And uh, so it, on the face of it, it makes no sense. But in fact, what the rabbis have brilliantly done is to realize that we need to create a day, which is what Rosh Hashanah really is, or two days, where we envision perfection. What Rosh Hashanah and what Rosh Hashanah the first two days are really about is deciding what a perfect life ought to look like, what we're really capable of, and the kind of relationship we're able to have with our God, with our religion, with our people. So if you want to think about it that way, Rosh Hashanah is a period for deep introspection about goals, objectives, and capabilities. And once we know what we're capable of, once we know what we're committed to achieving in the next year, now the atonement really comes in. The Aseret Yimei is really about what do we do about the gap between where we were and where we'd like to be. And that's really what the Aseret Yimei are, a kind of, you know, climaxing at Yom Kippur where we really ask forgiveness for that gap and then enter the new world, uh, the new life, the new year. Uh, and Sukkot is waiting for us and more about that when we get there. And so my, my blessing for all of us as we end this year and contemplate a new year, let's uh, use the opportunity, all of us, to decide what we can make of the year that went by, what kind of uh, potential we have that's unleashed, that could be around and activated in the new year, and uh, use Rosh Hashanah as a time for that contemplation about really um, what does perfection look like for our capabilities and our lives so that we can at least set about trying to grow and improve uh, in the year ahead. There's a wonderful story that I think explains the growth process uh, quite, quite eloquently. Uh, and it's told by Rabbi Abraham Twersky, who says that the lobster is a very interesting and unusual animal. It is born. It develops a hard shell, and then as it grows, the hard shell becomes uncomfortable. And that discomfort level ultimately gets to a place where the lobster actually goes into a safe place under a rock and sheds its shell and grows a new one a size bigger. And that stays until the shell has become again too small. The lobsters continue its growth and it sheds its shell. And now what causes that process is growth. Growth is not always comfortable. Growth, in fact, is frequently painful. But what do we do? We embrace that because we know 
that the end of the process is a bigger us in a bigger show. Now, unfortunately, in the country we live in, in the world we live in, if you're feeling uncomfortable, they give you some medication to help you feel more comfortable in your show. I want to suggest to you that that's not the Jewish way. I think we need to learn from the lobster about shedding shells and growth and expansion. We'll repeat during the High Holy Days the three magic words, Utshuva, Tfila, Utstaka, Ma'avirin, Nedroa, Hagzera, that Teshuva, which means return, Tefila, which means prayer, and Tzedakah, which means charity, uh, those three actions um, will avert the evil of the decree. And uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs of Blessed Memory has, I think, a very inspiring interpretation of these three key words. Uh, the first one, Tshuva, means that the first act we need to focus on, and arguably the most difficult, is to return. Return to ourselves, our potential, our authenticity, return to ourselves. It also means, obviously, return to God, return to our people. But Teshuva primarily means returning to ourselves. And uh, the second one, Tefillah, means return to God. We use prayer as a way to reconnect and connect deeply with Hashem. Staka is charity, reaching out to the people less fortunate than us to give them help, encouragement, and, and inspiration. And then he draws this beautiful image, and he says, imagine these three powerful forces which sweep you inward, upward, and outward in a desire to improve your uh, spiritual uh, status. So the, the tefillah, the, the tshuva means moving inwards. The tefillah means moving upwards, this upward movement towards God. And then staka means moving outward. And that triumvirate of actions and mental uh, predispositions will move us to a place where we will be uh, blessed for a new year. And the promise, by the way, unlike the translation, is not to avert the evil decree. The evil decree will happen. Means will avert the evilness of the decree. In other words, even unfortunate decrees will be handled better uh, if we're prepared for them spiritually by this threefold set of actions. My prayer for all of us, my dear children, grandchildren, is to experience a year where we grow, we embrace the discomfort, and we embrace the opportunity for growth. God bless you all.